The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I am Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today I'm talking with Robin Hammond. Robin is the winner of numerous awards, including a World Press Photo Prize, the R.F. Kennedy Journalism Award, the W. Jean Smith Award for Humanistic Photography, and four Amnesty International Awards for Human Rights Journalism. He's dedicated his career to documenting human rights and development issues around the world through long-term photographic projects. His latest work on homophobia and transphobia, where love is illegal, has become a popular social media campaign that shares stories of discrimination and supports advocacy groups in Africa. Robin is the founder of Witness Change, a nonprofit organization dedicated to advancing human rights through highly visual storytelling. And I want to urge you to go look at his photographs while we're talking at whereloveisillegal.com. Welcome, Robin. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, I'm very happy to have you have you on. You know, uh, I think I mentioned that I first saw your photos because I'm on an email feed from National Geographic, and it was so stunning to open to open that email and see those amazing photos that you've captured of people um, dealing with really um, oppression beyond maybe what we can envision here in the U.S. Right. Well, we, we, we've been very lucky as as a as a project to, to have some uh, great media coverage, and you know, the big a big part of what this work is about is sharing these stories. These people live in societies often where uh, they they are silenced, and um, you know, bigotry thrives in that kind of environment. And we want to be able to provide a platform for these people to have a voice, and so that they can interrupt. This, uh, this this narrative of homophobia and transphobia, which they, which they live in. Yes, you know it. It was interesting because it took me back. I am sixty two, and I came out as a lesbian at seventeen, and it actually um, brought up memories of then. There's there's really been a lot of change in the U.S. For instance, somebody I dated back then. Her sister had been murdered by her ex-husband because she was with a woman. Um, So it's not that that doesn't happen now, but I think it was much more common and in other parts of the world still extremely common. Well, exactly. And, you know, I think it's it's amazing, truly amazing, I think, the the change that has gone on in, in so much of the world. And, you know, that really 
uh, while it's not perfect, I think that, 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 that change has to be celebrated. But we also have to bear in mind that there are 2.8 billion people in the world who are living in countries where who they are is illegal. And in fact, there's 75 countries where they can go to prison for being gay or transphobia. Uh, or, or, or transgender, and in fact, there are five countries where they can be put to death for that. So, while we, it's really important to celebrate um, the, the games, and there are 780 million people who are living in countries that recognise um, same-sex relationships, uh, compared, you know, the majority of the world are actually still living uh, with with these with often state-sponsored persecution. And we, I think that it's very easy for us, and it's natural. We 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 all live in our own little societal bubbles. And um, but I think that those of us who care about equality rights have to care about it, not just on in our own countries, but think about what's going on globally as well. Absolutely, I have a friend who's a musician. She she does healing work around the world, and she was recently in um, Kenya with her wife, and right. um, they they had to be. Well, first of all, they had to not be wives. <laughs> Um, and then had to be just so careful. And she said everywhere she went, everywhere she went, because it was right after legalization here, uh, every single journalist asked her in a very negative way uh, about the legalization. Uh, so it was actually quite frightening for her just as a visitor, um, you know, to to no, be exposed. Right, is, is that actually what, what's happened is that with, with the increased visibility of equality rights in some parts of the world, it's actually caused a backlash in other parts of the world because in some countries, the conservative segments of those countries at least uh, see this as, uh, as, a, as an attack on, on their values. And of course, there are unfortunately politicians who will take advantage of that. And I think that, you know, that it's, it's easy for them to, you know, when they want to garner support from those conservative segments of their society, it's very, very easy to attack, to attack a voice with minority. Well, and that's the story here up until uh, the last couple of years, honestly. Well, and I think that's actually, while, while as we have to say, obviously, that, that things are far from perfect, I think that we have to recognize that it's been great change, and that gives us great hope, because, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, 30, 40 years ago, um, you know, the situation maybe was going to seem like it was going to be like this forever. Yet, you know, we, even you know, um, I, I'm slightly younger than you, and even when I was a kid, you know, uh, uh, sort of homophobic views were, were were normal where I where I'm from in, in New Zealand. But now, to sort of express any sort of homophobic views would you, is deeply unpopular. So, in a short time, things can change. I just hope that it, you know that change comes in other parts of the world. But what it takes. Is you know effort and it takes and struggle and it you know it takes people speaking out and that's what Where Love Is Illegal is about is is trying to give people an opportunity to to tell their stories. On that note, I was very struck by uh, on your website where you have a link to share your story. That statement there, if I could read it, we believe in the power of stories to connect people. We believe that speaking out against biggest bigotry is one of the greatest weapons in defeating it. We believe that ignorance should no longer be used as an alibi for inaction. We believe any story of survival is most powerful when it includes what you have endured, which of course is the heart of this show that we're talking on, um, that, that, that the stories of, um, you know, what is terribly painful and, and sometimes 
life-threatening and and um, deeply heartbreaking also sometimes carries a seed of something that can change change the world and change people's lives. And and, and to be honest with you, it's it's why it what it is what for me makes this work possible. I think that if it was um, if it seemed completely hopeless, I think it would be very hard to do. But despite what some of those people have gone through, um, and despite the fact that they're sharing these these difficult difficult stories. Many of them refuse to be defined by their stories, and in fact, many of them, uh, although they you know, w- wouldn't wish on any any of anyone, um, including their own enemies, I think that some of them would also acknowledge that um, they're actually growing because of this experience, and, and some of them will say that they've become stronger because of them. And uh, you know, I, I very very clearly remember a young woman who, um, uh, a, a young couple, a young lesbian couple in in Russia who were attacked in the street because they were holding hands. And um, with each of the people who are involved in the project, I asked them to write, write their story, and, and they wrote their story together, and they each took turns writing a paragraph. And actually, it was, it was a, a letter to each other within the, on, on the same page, and uh, mm. it was, while it was a, a letter describing what they'd been through, it was, in fact, a love letter. And, and at the end, um, you know, they, they talked about how holding hands is, is now dangerous in the country. But one of them said to the other that, you know, now when I hold your hand, I, I do it consciously. And I, and I offer you my hand as a sign of courage and as a sign of our love. And I think that it, while it seemed dangerous, it also became, took on a, a much greater importance about, you know, the, the significance about what their relationship meant to each other. Well, and if I think about you know, sometimes I do think quite deeply about what changed in this country, you know, from uh, when I was a 17-year-old and, and came out, you know, my mother crying for two weeks. And I know that still happens, but less often, <laughs> you know, um, what has changed, it's people knowing people. And that can't happen unless people come out. But exactly. it's but think, it's a it's a deeply um, fearful thing uh, for individuals, especially in terms of family, and that ran through so many of the stories. Um, yeah. So many people lost their families. Yes, and, and this is this is one of, I think one of the things that I found most tragic is you know what, what some, the first stories that I documented were of young Nigerian men who were arrested and tortured and faced the death penalty for um, for. for you know, in quote marks, committing same-sex acts. And what they had been through in prison and the, the torture they had um, had endured was horrendous. But what was most, I found, uh, most uh, deeply, or, or what was most deeply hurting for, hurtful for them was that they were ostracized by their families. And um, they, they, you know, the, the people that had, that had grown up all their lives had completely rejected them. And that, and that was what was most damaging for them. You know, their, their, their bodies would heal. But emotional, those emotional scars, they, they would carry forever. Yes, because it's, um, you know, if if the government makes it illegal, then the government is the enemy. But you don't expect those people who you've loved your whole life to be your enemies. Um, right, exactly. And to me, that's such a deeply, a deeply damaging kind of experience. But also, kind of seems to me, having read a lot of the stories, to have clarified just how vital it was for them to be themselves. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's, it's interesting how, you know, you talk about your own experience, and I think that 
that for so many people, um, uh, they, they just felt so desperately alone because they live in societies where often, you know, um, there, there isn't a community in, in, in many cases. And a lot of them actually talk about how when they did find the, the LGBT community within, within their society that um, they discovered a new family and, and this became their real family because their blood family had, had completely rejected them and ostracized them. Mm-hmm. I hope that the listeners are going to look at the pictures while we're talking because it's such a counterpoint but also emphasis to what we're we're saying because I find the photographs, I mean, obviously you're just amazing at capturing people and people who've been persecuted are showing themselves so deeply, which really struck me that, that um, I mean, that's a courageous act in itself, isn't it? To be yeah, identified no, with the project? No, absolutely. And I have such admiration for so many of these people who, who I was luckily, lucky enough to, to work with. I mean, there are a good number of people who, who don't show their faces as well because you know, that they do risk uh, further persecution. Um, but for but for many of them, you know, they they're doing this because they they really do believe, as I do, that that the story that they have something to offer, and, and that they hope that by sharing their story, that you know, their community might be supported. I mean, and, and actually, you know, it's actually one of the reasons why I'm I'm very grateful to to be on the show today because that this is this this work is really it's it's, it's meaningless unless unless people see it and share it, and that's what this is about, you know, that, that these, these stories have to be seen and these people have to be given, uh, given sometimes the first chance to be heard. And, um, you know, I've had, I've had a, a few other photographers on this show, and there's, there's something, uh, obviously we can't, uh, we can't show images on radio, but there is something, something so compelling about a story with an image um, that I noticed, um, you know, looking looking at all of these stories, the fact that I was looking at the people while I was reading it really had a very deep impact on me, and I'm sure lots of other people. And, and you know, it still has a deep impact on me as well. And, and uh, you know, and I think one of the reasons for that is, is well, one, I think, you know, photographs do have, um, I think, in them the, this power to connect, and I think that's, you know, the... the, the any good photograph will help us to uh, connect in an emotional way. And I think that actually, that this is part of what this work is about. I, I knew, uh, I'd read a lot about homophobia and transphobia around the world, but very rarely did I actually hear about the people who were um, the survivors of, of this persecution. And, and I really wanted to you know, give them a platform to be able to tell their stories. And I think it's important to point out that, that these photographs, while I'm the photographer, all of these photographs are also a collaboration with the person in them. I, I, I was very aware that the, so much of the narrative of what's happening in, in, in different societies around the world to the LGBTI community has been about them, and I, and I think that it's really important that this work also comes from them. So we would always um, discuss how they wanted to be seen and... and I wanted to give them an opportunity to say what they wanted to say. So when we share their stories, they're, they're unedited, and, and, and we put them on the site as they write them, how they write them. Um, what's and all, you know, if they, if they make a spelling mistake, it goes on like that. If they use a certain phrase, which we wouldn't use these days, it goes on like that. And, and I hope that we can also, and, and while 
while it being their authentic voice, I think I think that also says something about um, the, the authentic person too, in the, in the way that they want to communicate their situation. That's that's very interesting because I noticed that as someone who's a, you know a writer and and a communicator right. in my particular form, that every um, every story was very individualistic in terms of voice and that you didn't change uh, the way that it came out, which I thought was actually very powerful, even though, uh, of course, you know, I tripped over it now and then. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I I could tell it was the authentic voice of the person. You know, and and often probably trying to communicate in a language they're not, you know, they don't speak all the time, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there is that, but there is also just also the, the, the fact that um, many of these people, because they've been discriminated against all their lives, um, they haven't received very good education, many of them as well. You know, yeah, they're, they're absolutely. From a very young age, they've been, they, they haven't attended school because that's where they were bullied, or they've been thrown out of home from a very young age, or they've been the, you know, the, the odd one in the family that doesn't receive the support and attention. So, Robin, but, but, let's, um, let's... But, you're, but you're right that that. It's interesting because when when uh, newspapers or magazines run they run the work they they want to be able to spelling or create the grammar yeah. and, and I, I, my argument of course is you know that's the way that that person speaks and we should allow them whether we like it or not or whether it makes it more difficult or not that's their voice you know we let, 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 let them say it like that. Let's pick um, that up after the break. We've got to take a just a short break and then we'll come back to that because I think that's such a critical point. And listeners, you can find me at Good Grief at Voice America to contact me in every possible way. And to find Robin Hammond, you can go to robinhammond.co.uk. To find the photographs, you can go to whereloveisillegal.com. Be back soon. your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness follow the voice america talk radio network on twitter we're at voice america trn you'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Mm-hmm. 
You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Robin Hammond, an award-winning photographer and activist whose project, Where Love is Illegal, documents LGBTI persecution across the globe, and it's become a popular social media campaign against homophobia and transphobia. And before the break, Robin, we were talking about the um, the kinds of impacts that um, this, especially family persecution, has because... Um, I would guess, especially in places where school is not, there is not um, free public education, that um, if your family rejects you, you can't get educated. Um, well, exactly. no, that's, that, that's exactly right. And, and, and it's interesting because you know, I, I, I spend more time in, in Africa than I do anywhere else. And while uh, education is said to be free in many countries, if you can't afford your school books and you can't afford your, your uniform, uh, then you're not allowed to go to the school. So um, while the costs are not extremely high for many poor families, it still becomes restrictive. But it's not just, you know, you, in, in, in many African societies, you have this extended family structure, which helps support not just children, but also young adults, you know, to, um, when, they're, when, they're, when they're not married yet or when they're, when, they're, when they're not quite on their feet. And, you know, this, this, this amazing, usually amazing extended family structure kicks in and supports them and, you know, the uncles will help them get a job or, you know, if they're, if they're missing a meal, there's always a family member around. But when you're identified as LGBTI, um, you often lose that completely and uh, you are, and there is no state to pick up the pieces. Um, and so these people end up being desperately, desperately alone. And um, and this is the case of so many of the of the people that I, that I, that I met. They... Um, not only is, is there the uh, emotional um, loss, but also this, you know, life just becomes really, really hard. And one of the things we're trying to do is, is uh, as we love the legal, is help, to, uh, help some of these organizations which are, are trying to be there for people when, when their families ostracize them and, and when there's um, nowhere to turn. You know, there's some of that here. 50% of uh, homeless youth... Are right. identify as LGBT here, which is which is very staggering statistic. You know, so it's uh, I I want to make it clear. I know it's happening here in different different ways, somewhat. But giving ser- getting services to those youth is very hard globally. I think because they've been so hurt uh, by people they should have been able to trust. That it's uh, sometimes even hard to intersect with services. Do you find that sometimes? Yeah, no, to- totally, totally. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's you know, I, 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 I heard that statistic too about, um, you know, young LGBT people in, uh, in the States. And, um, and it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, a very sad and similar situation, I think, um, around the world. And, uh, Yes, no, there, there are definitely no, uh, in many of these countries, especially where it's illegal to be gay or, or, or transgender, there's absolutely no state-sponsored services for people if they identify that way. 
Um, but uh, and it and, would and even be a f- lo- scary to try to access. <laughs> I would think. No, exactly. And for many of the organisations that I worked with on the ground, uh, these are non-governmental organisations, and some of them can't even identify as being an LGBTI service. You know, they uh, they have to say that they are. Uh, um, there might be a women's support group, or there might be an HIV service, or or um, sex education service. But for them to identify as as supporting the LGBT community can be can be dangerous for them. I know that there were some musicians in Russia who who had to leave their country um, because their child was being threatened um, because they were doing. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the of the group right now, but they were they were doing um, out uh, LGBT music and uh, experienced persecution there. They actually had to leave the the country. Um, yeah, it's it's really sad. I mean, the the it, R- Russia is a uh, interesting, but not in a good way. Interesting case um, in that they have they they like homosexuality is not criminalized, but they have a what they call an anti-propaganda law, which uh, you know, anti-homosexual homosexual propaganda law, which means that you can't, um, you know, you can't talk to kids or um, or you can't uh, protest for the rights of um, for LGBT issues because they are concerned that somehow you know all of Russia's kids are going to turn gay if they see a rainbow flag or something. But um, but yeah, but there's also very widespread discrimination. There. And I, I worked in Russia, and, and that, that was, you know, the, the, the case of the two young women holding hands was in Russia, and it's very, very difficult for people there. And, and while it's not openly state-sponsored, um, people lose their jobs, and, they are, and there's a lot of violence um, towards the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Not, not uncommonly. Um, uh, so, I, one thing that does seem promising, though, is that this... Uh, this project has been getting, you know. I, of course, I saw the photos first in a in a um, in something from National Geographic, which is a, a huge publication. And then I know you were on the cover. The project was on the cover of Time in June as well. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Yes. So uh, that seems very moving to me. That that kind of um, broad based. Um, Media has been um, supporting your work. Yeah, I, I feel very fortunate to, to have um, you know the, the New York Times did a big piece online recently as well, and um, you know Huffington Post has, has uh, done some work. And we're getting magazines and newspapers around the world who are who are writing about the work. And um, you know, I, I really it, it, all the credit should really go to, to the brave people who who have. Um, who shared their stories, and and I think I, I don't know. It's I I you know I believe uh, I would say this, but I believe in the power of photography, but I also believe very much in the power of personal stories. And I think that I, I'm, I know that from the responses that we get from many people, they are astounded that this that this sort of thing goes on in, in this day and age. And I think that you know those personal stories do have that power to to connect us. And I think that. I mean, the whole the whole point of this, right, is that we we share these personal stories. It it connects us. Hopefully, we care, and and hopefully, we care enough to to take action. And I know that there are massive chasms between each of those steps. But if we do our job right, and if we can try and tell these stories in the most authentic way possible, you know, I I really do believe change is possible. And and there's there's so many we were seeing it. We 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 were seeing it all around the world, and all the time is just 
you know, change is probably the only constant, but it's it's like in what direction do we make that change happen? And unfortunately, well, fortunately, while in many parts of the world equality rights are gaining ground, there are other parts where it's, where it's going backwards, and uh, we have to you know stem that flow. And and of course, I you know I've been a little concerned. Uh, I mean, obviously. Um I'm very happy about marriage equality here, or maybe, you know, some people don't care about it. I always have cared about it. I'm not, I'm happy to be legal with my, with my wife here. Um, but, but to me, there's another, uh, aspect, which is, um, the way that, uh, people internalize the disapproval. I'm thinking about, uh, one, one example of that in your, in your, um, photographs, uh, the E from Uganda, uh, who had uh, tr- attempted suicide, it looked like, many yeah. times. Um, yeah. And, of course, that's what happens to people, since I'm a, you know, a therapist, that's what happens yeah. to people who, who internalize a message that their, their being is not okay. Um, there, there's just a really high risk of... of you know, suicide, which a lot of your of your subjects talked about, that they had yeah, come it's, through that. It's, it's so sad, and 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 you know that they really feel there's nowhere to go, and they and it's interesting that, um, but again, it's interesting in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a terribly sad way that so many so many people in this society they 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 grow up knowing that they're they're different, and they have no idea that there's a, that there are other people like them out there, and they grow up. Desperately alone, and they grow up in societies that tell them that people like them are evil, or people like them are cursed, or people like them are immoral. Um, and they, what well, the sad thing is, that, is that everybody around them says that, says that, and often they end up believing that because they don't have any anyone else telling them otherwise. And again, you know, the importance of sharing stories is that you know we hope we, we, there are a lot of people who who see these stories and. Have a have a very sophisticated understanding of sexuality and gender identity, but then there's a whole bunch of the world that has never gets to talk about this and yes. never has an understanding, is never exposed to this. And so we hope we hope that you know some of these stories uh, reach people and they get realise you know that they're not alone, that, that that there are other people out there facing the same kind of thing and and um, and dealing with the same issues. Well, I also believe that we're we're at this critical point where um, even people who are very supportive of LGBT uh, equality, uh, equal rights, uh, there's, a, there's something that happened here where I think when marriage was legalized, then it sort of seemed to some people uh, fight over, right. uh, which is so absolutely untrue. And I, I, I think your project uh, intersects with that too. That there's a long, long ways to go um, from well, the I time. Think, I think it's, yeah, I, I think there's still a long way to go, even even in the U.S. You know, I think I yes. think it doesn't end with uh, with being allowed to get married, right? I mean, I I was reading recently a, a report about the number of people who who still have a level of discomfort seeing people of the same sex holding hands, or you know, a work colleague having a, a photo of their partner who might be of the same sex, and you know, in, in their wallet and um, you know, there's a long way to go before uh, big numbers of people um, are just, you know, accept, accepting. But yes, I mean, and then, but then, of course, there are people who are still dying today. 
You know, I, I read a, you know, and even in countries which are perceived to be very tolerant, I, I, I read a news report today saying that in uh, in Brazil that they, they get 300 to 350 reports a year of of deaths of murders um, from people who are, who, are, who are killed because of their sexuality or gender identity. Um, and then, then you know, and then people there are there are people being killed uh, by their own state because they are. Um, considered to be living the wrong lifestyle. And also, I, I got this strong impression, impression, and it fit with what I know, that many, many women, and perhaps men too, are being raped and otherwise assaulted, sexually assaulted, um, with the, you know, the statement, will will fix you, basically. Um, which is right. another real damage to the selfhood of that person. Oh, no, but, it's, you know, it's, it's one of the most disturbing things. Uh, you know, and and I, I, I lived in South Africa for three years, and um, and I went back there to continue this project. And I, I met many women who talked about uh, this very ugly term, corrective rape. Um, you know, as if them being raped is going to, in quotes, fix them. And um, you know, it's uh, I you know, it, what, what what can you say about that, right? It's just it's just barbaric. Yeah, and and that of course does. Uh, I remember a news story not that long ago here, in a neighboring town that same thing happened here. So what we, have, um, we actually we actually have have so what, what we do is that there there are the stories that I've documented and we we open it up and that people from around the world to share their stories and one of the most powerful stories and. That, that we have is, is, is from a woman who was um, was uh, from a, from a very strict um, Christian family who was who was uh, raped by a group of male friends who was gang raped because they decided that they wanted to save her from the fires of hell. Um, you know, uh, she was drugged and raped, and it was, it was the most horrendous and uh, and uh, horrible story. But the sort of the upside of that, if there if if can be one, is that um, you know she's now. Still joined our team of volunteers, and and she's, you know, trying to her best to try and help other people who've been through um, similar circumstances. Well, that's of course why I do this radio show because it does happen frequently that our struggle—not the thing that happens—that's just plain bad. But our right. struggle with it and our struggle to come to terms with it does sometimes really grow us into new places. Um, maybe you can, that's one story like that, but I know there are many. Um, maybe you could, you could tell one, we're getting close to our break. Maybe we can end with, um, one of those type of stories and then pick it up when we come back from the break. Right. Well, I mean, there, there, like you say, there, there are many stories that we heard where, where people had been through the most horrendous things and, and came out the other side as activists fighting even stronger. Um, and I, I, can, I think of a young woman in Russia who was beaten with baseball bats and stabbed and left, left for dead because she was an activist, and, and she went into hiding for for a long time because of that. But in the end, you know, she she realized that her attackers had achieved what they wanted. They had silenced her, and then she refused to be silent any longer and shared her story with us and, and continues to share her story to be an inspiration to people um, in her country. One person who just popped to my head is the um, young man whose family rejected him, and he um, he had to leave where where he had been living. But he's now in medical school, 
uh, I I felt there was this huge story in between those two things, <laughs> you know, right. how he managed to manage to um, bring that about in his life. Uh, you know, of course, I do know many people who've been rejected by their families and and ultimately thought, well, I I have to make my life then what I need it. I want it to be, and right. have found some. Um, regard for themselves in that process and, you know, had to work at it. I know many, many people like that, almost every LGBT person I know. And I'm, I don't know any intersex people, but I'm sure it's similar. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's really, I, 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 I've, I've seen it a lot through this project as well, where, where those, where those struggles have, like you say, that what happened absolutely bad but those, the, the, the challenge and the struggle that we've been through has, has made these people stronger um, which you know uh, is the is the definition of resiliency human resiliency isn't it because uh, mm-hmm. these no, are I, such I, such I, but- brutal things people have been through um, I I'm also thinking of um, uh, a friend of mine who helps uh, his his organization uh, has a program for LGBT um, re- uh, refugees from around right. the world. Several have come from Africa and some from some other locations as well. And they they help the person get here and then support their living until they've kind of um, found their way. And um, I I'd love to know if you know. It seemed as if there was a lot of leaving of one's country. When we get back, let's talk about whether uh, people have any difficulty getting themselves defined as refugees as opposed to migrants. That's so big in the news in terms of right. Syria, but I think it's a big issue in terms of this. So I want to hear what you think about that when we come back. Um, so listeners, time for a second break, and it's a chance for you to go find me and Robin. You can find me at my website or at the Grief, Good Grief host page. The website is www.weatheringgrief.com, and you can find Robin Hammond at robinhammond.co.uk and whereloveisillegal.com. Back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm talking with Robin Hammond, a photographer who documents human rights abuses worldwide. And he, we've been talking about his project where love is illegal about uh, photographs he took of LGBTI people worldwide experiencing persecution. And um, before the break, I had mentioned I'd like to talk about uh, being a refugee versus being a migrant, um, do you know anything about whether it's hard for people who, uh, you know, are being persecuted and need to leave their country to um, get recognized by the host country as a refugee? Because it's kind of more of a personal than a than a um, countrywide war, you know? Uh, I just mm-hmm. wondered if you know anything about that. Yeah, I, well, it, it depends on the country they're going to, and I know that different countries have different rules. I, I know people who have tried to uh, go from African countries to the United Kingdom and, and, and have really struggled, um, and the, 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 the types of um, proof that they have to supply sometimes is really um, just, just ridiculous. You know, they have to, they've had to show, show pictures of, of themselves and, um, kissing with with someone of the same sex, or they've had to, you know, like it, it, it seems very archaic. The sorts of uh, humiliating, I would say, humiliating. Absolutely humiliating. Um, the um, the I, it's interesting because I, I worked in two countries, Lebanon and South Africa, which are, are both. Um, the reason I worked in both of those countries is that those are both countries where um, they're seen in the in their regions to be um, more tolerant and a lot of LGBT people. Go there fleeing persecution. So in South Africa, we had a lot of I met a lot of people who were coming from East and um, Southern Africa to sue South Africa because they actually had a very progressive constitution. That it's the only country in Africa that recognises same-sex relationships and the only country that um, allows people to seek asylum based on their um, of persecution um, of their sexuality and gender identity. And um, so you have a lot, but what they don't realize is that while the law is very progressive, there's still a lot of people in that country who um, uh, don't like the idea of, of uh, having LGBTI, especially LGBTI foreigners in their country. Uh, so they, they get there in life, it ends up being actually very, very difficult. And Lebanon, I went there because there are many, especially Syrians, who are coming, escaping, um, ISIS or ISIL or Daesh, whatever you want to call them, but, uh, and also other sort of extremist groups in Syria who are mm-hmm. actively seeking out, um, especially gay men, to, to execute. Um, and, uh, you know, I met many from Syria, many from, uh, some from Jordan, some from Iraq, and they're going to Lebanon because it's seen as a more tolerant country, but still life is very difficult there, and many of them are looking for a host country, and it's extremely difficult, extremely difficult. And it's interesting because many, when, when we... We share stories on our on our uh, website or on our Instagram account, and we get people commenting saying, "Why don't you just leave?" Um, but it's not easy when you like like we've discussed. Many of these people are desperately poor. It's very very hard to for them just to buy a plane ticket and, and go somewhere else. 
And then and, they and, have no security. Yeah. I also wonder when people say things like that. I've I've given it, you know, at certain political times in my own country. I've thought, well, um, maybe I should consider Canada or something, you know. But right. when I think about it deeply, that is not a small thing by any means. Leaving everybody in your life and everything you've ever known, and and I'm, you know, relatively privileged and educated and all of that. And still, it's it would be a very daunting. I would have to be in fear of my life, which of course many of these people are. Um, yeah, yeah. So you know that's not a small thing. I know from talking with my friend who runs this refugee program for LGBTQ people that they have to be prepared when they bring someone to give them a place to live for a while. Uh, to um, give them some money because they can't. They don't have nothing. You know, and I I think it's probably true that um, most people who flee their country go with nothing and have no one welcoming them. Right, right. and you know, the, the, like nobody, nobody nobody strives to be a refugee. You know, it's not like they it's not like they want this situation. But for many of them, they don't feel like they they have a choice. And and one of the young men who's who's who I met in, in South Africa who'd come from Kenya, he. Um, he 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 left uh, because it was just, it wasn't just dangerous in terms of the society there. It, 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 he feared for his family as well. You know, he wasn't welcomed back in his own village. And uh, while his mother had accepted him, his uncles and cousins had not and had physically attacked him. And he went to South Africa. Like, this is a very sad thing that he he arrived in South Africa had nothing. When I met him, he was in a a, a tiny tin shack in a in a slum, and he had nothing. He couldn't. He was going to get evicted from his house, and his house, I call it a house, but it's a tin shack, literally. Um, uh, uh, sort of, you know, seven by seven foot shack. And um, he was going to be evicted from his, his shack in three days because he couldn't afford what was the equivalent of like 20 US dollars for his month's rent. Um, and, uh, you know, he's desperately, desperately poor. And, you know, in question whether or not it was the right thing to have left Kenya despite you know, his life being at risk. Here he was, you know, unable to afford food and rent. But you know what? 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 The, the saddest part of that story is, is earlier this year, I I, I found out that um, that Bonnie had passed away. That he couldn't afford the medical care that he needed when he when he fell sick. And you know, and so many of these people, as as we've mentioned, end up so desperately poor. And 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 it, sometimes it's not the the uh, the the, the the state executing them or being, a, being attacked by mobs, but this, this poverty which literally Just kills people. Poverty that's that's very much linked with um, with um, ostracization and yeah. and lack of support. So I know that this project. Uh, I, I want to move a little bit to talk about you because. Um, this is not your only project. I think your organization overall is called Witness Change. Is right. that correct? And right. so this is this is one thing you do. But um, are there other projects you're either envisioning or already already doing in this area of pointing out um, human rights um, problems around the world? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, for, for, since uh, January 2011, I've been working on. Since then, on on uh, mental health, uh, especially in mental health in African countries in crisis, 
And it's another, again, another uh, very, very neglected issue, and it's one that I uh, feel very strongly about. And um, I guess there's some uh, synergy between the two issues because it's another population who uh, are not, um, you know, given the chance, opportunity to to advocate for their own rights. So uh, I've, I've done that in, uh, in, in uh, I think, about 12 different countries now. Um, mm. And uh, that's been a project, again, just trying to, you know, get attention towards a, um, a very, very disparate issue, which 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 is uh, highly neglected. Um, but, but yes, I mean the the, the point of, of witness change is that um, I think so often in the, in the, the the arts and and the world of the media we undervalue the the impact we can make. And I really believe that um, the way that we see the world has a big impact um, on the way we interact with it. And I think that. Uh, those of us in the arts and the media have a responsibility to um, try and have people, you know, understand the world outside their backyard. And so, what witness change is about is well, witnessing and changing. The witnessing is is the, the documenting and the telling of stories. And then, what we like to be able to do is provide people with an opportunity, should they be touched and moved by the by the stories that they see, for them to be able to take action. And this is what we're doing with with, with where it loves the legal. We're supporting three grassroots organizations in Africa who are doing great work. Um, and the point of that is that we don't feel like we should be imposing on them how, how these countries should run their affairs because there are actually people within those countries who are, who are taking on the fight. But they don't have the resources. And so what we're trying to do is have people understand what, what's going on there and hopefully gain support for these um, wonderful people who are trying very, very hard under trying circumstances. And it's the same what I'm doing with with the mental health workers, there are people trying hard to to work for people with uh, intellectual disability or mental illness in, in places where there are no services, um, and uh, they need help. And it's it's, a, it's it's not only a, a situation with mental health that that, that where you have um, poor countries where the governments don't provide mental health care, but also the aid organisations are um, almost completely. Uh, Neglected as well. So seeing it's it's always put in the too hard box, and and it's a problem when you have again populations who can't advocate for their own rights. Or not not that they can't. Many of them can. It's that they're not allowed to because not allowed to. Yeah, they're crazy. You know, which is like obviously they're not. You know, many people are very articulate, but they're not listened to. So, so so. And so people can donate. uh, People can donate at whereloveisillegal.com to those organizations. Exactly. While they're looking exactly. at the stories, please do that out yep. there. I should have mentioned it earlier um, because, of course, I was aware of that. But I've been so involved in talking with you that I didn't mention it. But um, and and uh, at the Witness Change or organ, uh, organization site, they can look at your other projects and donate there too, huh? Absolutely, and we would love that. Um, so that you know means that you're a person who's willing to um, deal with your own grief because I think working with um, issues like this is very heartbreaking um, at times. Also inspiring, but but heartbreaking. Do you find it so? It is, absolutely. You know, I, I, I... with people for, for a long time and, and you know the, 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 the photography the actually the, the clicking of the button is a tiny tiny part of, of the work and you know I sit for a long time trying to understand these people's stories and and um, and many of these stories are really heartbreaking I mean 
uh, and and I and it breaks my heart when I when I hear them, and then when I come back and I read them, it breaks my heart again. And when I'm editing through the pictures, it it breaks my heart again. But um, it's also a, an amazing privilege to be able to let, be listening to these people's lives. And also, while we're sharing these these stories of survival, you know, many of these people, as we said earlier, refuse to be defined by those stories. You know, they are not what happened to them. So I also get to meet people who are extremely brave and courageous and and powerful and strong. And, they and are, beautiful. Yeah, you know, real inspiration <laughs> to me. Yeah, very, very beautiful. I mean, to a person, you, you, um, they've shown you their beauty in a way that's remarkable. Yeah, so right, that's right. that's what keeps it balanced, they, they make, then, huh? They they make me value my life so much that, that I I know how you know, so many of these people are in the situation they are in because of accidental birth. That's all. I was so privileged. So not, not I was lucky. I was just lucky to be born into the family that I was born in, in the country, and in the time that I was born in. And they were often very unlucky to be born in the situations that they've been born in, born into. But they've survived it, and you know, have shown such strength. And so, they've taught me the value of what I have. And um, and and when I'm when I'm on the ground doing these stories, I, you know, I I I, I am incredibly grateful for what I have received in my life. Hmm. And then that's um, that fuels you, I'm imagining, to continue doing this because it's an ongoing project, isn't it? No, absolutely. We're, we're working on a on a phase two now, and in fact, the uh, what we want to be able to do is, you know, I want to continue documenting these stories, but I'm just one guy and uh, with a camera and, and, a, and an audio recorder. And what I want to, what we want to be able to do as an organisation is empower uh, people on the ground. You know, rather than me going to Kenya. And telling ten right. people stories. What I, what I want to do is go to Kenya and teach ten people how to tell ten, each of them tell ten people stories. So oh, instead of coming away so with powerful. ten stories, we come away from with a hundred stories. Because I think it is these, these these people need to be seen and their stories need to be heard. I know that you've got a couple of upcoming events, and we just have a few minutes left. I know you have one in New York, October twelfth. Is that right? We have we have uh, two in, in New York, uh, um, one on October 12th, which is a, a fundraiser, and also one on October 15th at the um, LGBT Center in New York, which is uh, where I'll be giving a, a talk about the work. We also have and, on the 24th and 25th of October in San Francisco um, a party where we'll be, uh, you know... People I'm like 20 minutes from San Francisco. I've got to see if we can meet because I'm 20 minutes from there. You've got to come. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's been such a pleasure having you and hearing about your um, project. I feel as if we could talk for another hour. It's just so um, moving to me what you're doing, and thank you so much for your work. Well, you know what? I, it's, 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 I'm really grateful for the opportunity. These, these these stories are no good sitting on my laptop in my in my office. They have to be out in the, in the world for for people to to read and see, and, and hopefully be moved by. Absolutely, and I hope listeners will go do just that at um, at your website, whereloveisillegal.com. Next week, I'll welcome Francis Weller. His book, The Outgrowth of 30 Years of Work with Grief and Ritual, is The Wild Edge of Sorrow. We'll be talking about rituals of renewal and the sacred work of grief. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. 
Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.